Welcome back. Bill Michael Show, we continue on. We are glad you're with us. Thanks, as always. Hour number three of the program. We're halfway through. Two hours down, two hours yet to go. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us. We certainly appreciate it. Joining us now on the hotline, our buddy Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. Uh, you can find him there, at Mark Schofield, uh, over on uh, Twitter as well. Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bill. Great to be back with you. Excited to talk about these games we've got coming up this weekend. Uh, give me a, give me your thoughts. Let's let's start out with the first game. Uh, I Cincinnati got a win, and I give them all the credit in the world. I finally am somewhat of a believer. I really like Joe Burrow. I just can't believe in the coaching staff. Their offensive line is relatively porous. Uh, do they? Ha- how much of a shot do they have at going in and knocking off? Uh, you know, a fresh-legged uh, you know Derrick Henry. I mean, they've got a shot, Bill. They certainly have a shot. I think it will have to start with something you alluded to right there. Can they protect Joe Burrow? What are the things? that makes the Tennessee Titans so dangerous this year on the defensive side of the ball is the pressure they can generate up front, particularly the four. They've got some great pass rushers up front with Simmons, with Landry, with Dupree, with Autry. They can go to that sub package where they kick Autry inside and you've got Dupree and Landry coming off each edge. And you've certainly got Simmons in the interior, Jones, their nose tackle. He can do some stuff too in their more base packages. And with the Bengals, so much of what they do is predicated on those empty formations, right? They go five wide five-man protection schemes but the titans can get quick pressure and that's the stuff that while they might not get home per se from a down-to-down basis they could force burrow off the spot force him to sort of reload in the pocket and sometimes that takes away what he loves to do when he gets pressure those back shoulder throws to jamar chase and so can they protect joe burrow that's going to be a huge part of this story now obviously when the titans have the ball we know what they want to do particularly if henry's back where Harris have reported they want to run Henry 20 times or so. They'll have to stop the run, and then they'll have to take away those play-action crossers that Tannehill likes to throw, particularly to A.J. Brown. They have the power to do that stuff. They have the talent to do these things. Whether they could do it against a team, like you said, in the Tennessee Titans who have been rested or get a lot of people back who look to be ready to go after their bye week, that's going to be the tougher challenge. It starts up front on both sides of the ball. If they can protect Burrow, they've got a shot. Well, that's my next question because uh, the problem has been protecting Burrow. As much as we talk about Jamar Chase and T. Higgins downfield, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon coming out of the backfield, it's he's got to have enough time to throw. Joe Burrow, uh, I give him all the credit in the world. He has got some swagger. He is uh, really impressive, and it's the first time they've had a really staunch quarterback probably since Boomer Esiason going back that far. I just don't know if they have enough defense to be able to really stop the run if Derrick Henry is on point. Uh, and do they have enough to really pressure Tannehill into making some making some mistakes while Joe Burrow trying to get enough time just to be able to get the ball downfield? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge question. And that's why I think this game, you know, like many football games, will come down to the trenches. Obviously, the Bengals lost Larry O, their stalwart defensive tackle with an injury last week's game. He was knocked out of that Raiders game, stopping the run, whether it's Freeman or, you know, whether it's Henry is going to be tough without him. So that certainly hurts the Bengals' effort. You know, and the other thing that we mentioned with Burrow, very quick snap to throw time this year. I think it's like 2.64 seconds snap to throw for third fastest in the league. But the Titans, like I think they can, if they can get that initial pressure where even if they don't get home, they force them off the spot. They force them to sort of pull it down, reset, recalibrate his thinking. That's going to be critical. So I like the Titans in this one. Uh, I do think this is a matchup that they can win. Cincinnati great win last week, but you know, looking to be a bit tougher here on this weekend. Then we move into the next one, and that's the Rams on the road taking on the Buccaneers. And I've said this, I think pound for pound, the Rams 
are as good, if not a better team. It's whether or not Matthew Stafford looks across the field into the eyes of the lion and says, I either have to go toe-to-toe with you, or he just kind of manages the game and doesn't make a mistake. I think the Rams can win. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's a great way to put it. If Stafford sort of stays with it himself and doesn't make the big mistake, the Rams certainly have a shot at going across country and winning this game. And another thing certainly to keep in mind, Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, can he go? Because when you're thinking about protecting Tom Brady, you know, you you kind of look across the line of scrimmage. You see Vaughn Miller. You see Leonard Floyd. You see Aaron Donald. You know, if now you've got your backup right tackle who struggled to protect Brady last week when Morris went down and you were going up against the Philadelphia Eagles, that's going to be a problem for Tampa Bay. And so if Morris can't go, you like the edge sort of up front with what the Rams can do from their defensive front and the front four. You know, if Stafford could then, like you said, stay within himself, not force throws, you know, I love the way they've incorporated Odell into their offense, certainly over the past couple of weeks. But yeah, the Rams can certainly win this game. It might come down to, as with the previous game, can you protect Tom Brady? Because if Brady has time, or even if he just has the ability to step up in the pocket off the edge, if you get pressure off the edge, you can climb the pocket really well. But if there's nowhere to climb to, if you've got interior penetration with Donald, which he's so good at providing, that's going to be a problem for Tampa Bay. Which I agree, because uh, if they can put pressure on Brady and he has to get rid of Now, he's a master of getting rid of the ball really quick, don't no doubt. This is where I think if it's going to come down to Brady getting rid of the ball, Gronkowski becomes huge in this game, don't you think? Yeah, Gronkowski and Evans. I mean, you know, you, you look at how they construct their offense, so much of what they do, you know, route conversions and things like that, but also so much what they do against blitzes is, you know, finding your heart rate, making sure you're on the same page with whether it's, you know, sometimes it's the tight end on a quick release. Sometimes it's that X receiver on a shallow crosser, which would be Evans. And so if those guys are given the opportunity to make some catches, do they turn that, you know, he's getting blitzed, quick two-yard throw into a 12-yard gain. If they start putting piling up some yardage after the catch numbers, if they start beating blitzes or pressure schemes with these quick throws that have the you know dual goal of getting it out of Brady's hands quickly and then getting the completion of the yardage after the catch, that would be huge for Tampa Bay. And so those two guys can certainly step up. I'm very curious, you know, do we see a lot of Jalen Ramsey on Mike Evans? Is that how they're going to play this? I'd imagine you'd see at least a couple of moments where that's the matchup. You know, that would be certainly something to watch sort of away from the football. But if the Rams start getting that pressure, if Brady can start beating it with quick throws, side adjustments, and, you know, blitz, you know, adjustments, that will be huge with Tampa Bay. You, you talked about Tampa Bay, the secondary. We know the secondary's been banged up and been banged up all season long. Last year, they got after Aaron Rodgers big time, forced him into a couple of mistakes with Vita Vey and Golston and Dominican Sue and JPP and obviously Levante David and company. So my question is, can they do? Can they put enough pressure on Stafford, or is Stafford's offensive line capable of really kind of giving him enough time in the pocket to be able to to, to find guys like Odell Beckham and, and company and Cooper Cup? Yeah, I think, Bill, that's where they're going to have to rely. They're going to have to rely on getting pressure to force early throws. Don't give Stafford the chance to get comfortable. Don't give those routes downfield time to develop, force him to throw early in the play. It wouldn't surprise me if we see some sort of sub-packages. Todd Bowles has done that before. He did it against Aaron Rodgers both in the championship game and in the regular season last year where they just got one or two down linemen and a lot of linebackers where they bring those sim pressure looks where you're not sure who's coming or who's dropping and from where they're coming and dropping. And so you generate that confusion up front where you might sprint a free rush or you might sprint 
you know, somebody the free shot at Matthew Stafford, you might start confusing the guys up front, particularly when, you know, similar to the Bengals discussion, the Rams like to do so much about those empty five wide packages where now you've got that sim pressure. Look, you've got seven people up in the line of scrimmage. Again, as an offensive line, you don't know who's coming and from where. That's tough to contend with it. So I wouldn't surprise you to see Todd Bowles rely on some of those sub packages, some of those sim pressure looks to try to get that pressure. Because I think if they just line up and try to get four man pressure schemes, that's not going to work. You're going to have to get Stafford uncomfortable, force him to throw early. Don't give those routes time to develop, particularly those deeper routes they like to throw to Cup to Odell, whether it's the backside dig, whether it's sale routes or corners or things like that. Force him to throw early, force him to check it down, make him uncomfortable. That's the game plan for Tampa Bay. Talking with Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield, and track him down there. The game that's uh, the late game on Sunday afternoon, the Bills on the road taking on the Chiefs. And really, this has come down to the the preeminent matchup of Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Right now, who's playing better and who has the edge in this contest? I mean, I really think Buffalo is playing a little bit better. Now, maybe our, our vision and view of it is clouded by, you know, a lackluster performance from the New England Patriots last Saturday night. But if you look at the way that defense can play, you look at the way that defense played the Kansas City Chiefs back in week five, where they were able to make Mahomes uncomfortable at times, where they were able to limit what he could do vertical in the passing game and force him to try to stay patient and hit singles and doubles rather than home runs. When you look at the way they incorporated Josh Allen as a runner early to try to get Kansas City out of those two deep coverages, force them to burn a safety down into the box. And then once they did, Josh Allen three touchdown passes against single high coverage in that week five meeting. You know, I, I think this matchup looks on paper right now with the way the bills are playing and how these teams played each other back in week five to really, in my opinion, favor Buffalo. Now, of course, Kansas city can win. Uh, of course, Kansas city, after their little lackluster start against the Steelers, six drives, six touchdowns, their defense is much better than it was during that week five matchup. And Patrick Mahomes, this was during that stretch of the year where you know, teams are playing those two deep coverage looks against Kansas City, and they were struggling against them. They've gotten better with that defense and the improvement the defenses have, that the Kansas City defense has made. And that's allowed Mahomes to be a bit more patient and take what teams are giving him and, and throwing underneath and things like that. And so I certainly think Kansas City can win. This is going to be a fantastic game, in my opinion. But I think right now, Buffalo looks to be the better team. And I think this matchup, they have the edge in a couple of different ways in this game. Yeah, I watched what happened last year when you had a really good stout front four from Tampa Bay, and they just chased Patrick Mahomes all over the place, and that's been well documented with guys like Terry Hughes and Phillips and Oliver and Rousseau, the the rookie. They've been really good up front in the trenches, Buffalo has. Uh, I wonder if they're going to be able to take, because we all know that's going to be a raucous place down there. you got to get up early and take the crowd out of the game to kind of just deflate that energy a little bit. I wonder if they're going to have enough to keep Patrick Mahomes in the pocket and not allow him to get, because really that's when he makes his bones, is when he gets outside, he can either throw the ball, obviously, or he scrambles, picks up a couple of first downs, keeps the chains moving, and that's where the energy seems to come from, and then it really kind of puts you on your heels as a defense. And we've seen that in the past, and I wonder if Buffalo's defense is kind of up for the challenge. Yeah, I mean, it'll certainly be a different look for this defense because, you know, obviously last week Matt Jones is not the kind of athlete and can, you know, right. make the kind of plays on the move that Patrick Mahomes can. And even Matt Jones, he had one early in the game where he got outside of the pocket and found Hunter Henry. And so, 
you know, I think that is a concern from Buff. I think both defenses have to worry about what these quarterbacks can do with their legs, what these quarterbacks can do on the move. I think the thing that, that helps Buffalo, Micah Hyde, Jordan Porter, in my opinion, the best safety tandem in the league. And so, you know, those are two guys that, you know, they can erase mistakes at the deep third level. Now, they can they spin those guys so well at the snap, so they might show. And there was a play in that week five meeting where they showed that too high look, and Mahomes thought he had a crossing route, and he throws it to Tyree Kill. But you've got Poyer, the I think it was high the safety coming down as a robber. Pass goes through Tyree Kill's hands, and it's an interception and a pick six. Now Mahomes, it should have it should have been caught, but he got he got baited by that spun rotation look, threw it right into the teeth of the defense. Then Tyree Kill lets it go through his hands and he gets a pick six. But those safeties are good. And so, yes, Mahomes can certainly make some plays outside of the pocket and off the structure, but those safeties do such a great job at erasing mistakes at the back level. He might not find some of the windows he's found against other defenses. Then we move on to the game coming up on Saturday night. Talking with Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. You can find him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. But the Packers hosting the 49ers. I think pound for pound, the Packers are the better team, hands down. I just think they are. I think they're they're getting healthy at the right time, obviously. So give me what you think the 49ers have to do to win this thing, and give me your thoughts on the actual outcome of the game. I think you're right. I mean, look, on paper, the Packers are the better team. They're rested. They're getting everybody back, like you said. But there are certainly ways that the Niners can win this game. I think it starts offensively, you know, whether it's Lance, whether it's Garoppolo, they're going to want to run the football, you know, and, you know, Kyle Shanahan, you know, Coach McDaniel, who's getting a lot of buzz as sort of a next offensive-minded head coach. They do such great things, scheming things up in the running game, creating extra gaps, forcing you to account for extra gaps from a run-fit perspective. The use of Debo Samuel, I, I think, has been fascinating to watch. You know, his evolution from a pure wide receiver to a, I saw somebody describe it as a WRB1, wide receiver running back one. You know, what they do with him in the, in the, on the ground game, they're sort of toss wind back designs where they try to get you to flow to one side, but they're really setting you up to cut back off of it with the blocking angles that they could create. The, the use of the fullback, which allows you to turn a three-man surface into a four-man surface or two into three, you know, without changing personnel, that's a lot to cover up from a defensive standpoint. And so run fits, run keys, you know, rush land integrity, things like that are going to be critical for the Green Bay Packers. And then I think, you know, when it comes to the passing game, whether it's Garoppolo, you'll obviously see some play-action stuff working underneath. Whether it's Lance, you'll see some play-action stuff working sort of over the top. I mean, I, I think that's where the passing game will come down to, regardless of who's the quarterback. It'll just be different areas of the field, but you'll see – a lot of passing game stuff. But the biggest concern for me, if they could get that run game going, if they could turn 12 into more of a spectator, if they can, similar to the Bills discussion, if they could get the crowd out of it a little bit. You know, you think back to a game they had earlier this year against the Rams where they had like an 18-play drive that took 11 minutes to start the game. And, you know, if you've got a crowd that's juiced up and then suddenly the defense is on the field for 11 minutes to start the game, that, that takes the energy out of a stadium. And so... I think that's the concern. Can they slow down that run game, force whoever the quarterback is to put the game on their shoulders? If the Packers do that, they're going to win. Uh, real quick before I let you go, and you had mentioned uh, you know, Rodgers, obviously a lot of the pressure because of the whole last dance scenario. We all know that. We understand that. Uh, what do you expect out of Rodgers? We, we know that in the postseason it hasn't always been the best, but then again, uh, you know, you're also playing much better defenses. But, but with being an MVP, and I think at this point in time we can probably say he's going to win the MVP, what do you think? Uh, you, what do you expect out of Aaron Rodgers in this contest? 
I mean, I expect a great sort of playoff run from Rodgers. I expect it to start, you know, this weekend with a great game. And, yes, the San Francisco 49ers can do some things defensively that, that could give, some, give them some trouble. But watching Rodgers over the course of this year, I still see a quarterback playing at such a high level, somebody whose mind is ahead of the play on every single down. And maybe it simply comes down to what he talked about this week, about simplifying it. He was asked about, you know, what do you do on the big stage? And he says, well, I'll just simplify it. These are my reads. This is my footwork. One, two, check down. Just go through the list. Keep it simple. But because he's able to do that, to simplify it in the moment, it allows him to, oh, you're spinning the safeties too high. I can throw that vertical route, cutting my drop a little bit short and get it out of my hands quickly. You can't get to me. That San Francisco front, they won't be able to get to me because I'll get the ball out of my hands quickly. And obviously his connection with Devontae Adams and how well those two work together, particularly on the back shoulder throw, I think he's going to have a tremendous postseason starting this weekend, and I think he's going to make a, a nice little run here for the Packers, as I do think that they've got an extremely good shot to make it out of the NFC and get to the Super Bowl. So I'm expecting big things. Mark, appreciate it as always. Thanks for the breakdown, and we'll touch base uh, again as we get towards uh, L.A., okay? Fantastic, Bill. Thanks so much. Enjoy the games this weekend. Appreciate it, pal. Talk to you soon. Right there, Mark Schofield, NFL Wire. You can also find him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield as well. And uh, find his stuff there. Just really, really good stuff. Hey, speaking of good stuff, uh, everybody that comes to the house, and maybe at one point we're going to have everybody over. But uh, when you come over and you go downstairs, you go to the gym, and you go, wow, everybody says the same thing. The floor is amazing. And I always tell people, it's epoxy flooring done right. That's the company. Sean and the gang are fantastic. Call them 262-443-2852. And I had it done here at the house. I couldn't recommend it anymore if I had to. And it's it's fantastic. And you can do different finishes, different colors. Uh, if indeed you want to get the room completely, you know, kind of gutted and then paint the room and everything, they can do that for you as well. There's not much they can't do. And whether it's that glossy mirror finish like you're walking on marble or the rough finish like I went with because it's a gym and you didn't want to have, you know, slippery feet and water and drippage and all that kind of stuff, they can do anything. It's awesome. It's an awesome, awesome product. And to watch them do it, they had it done in as little as a day. So uh, check out Sean and the gang. Go to epoxyflooringdoneright.com. That's epoxyflooringdoneright.com. Or call them 262-443-2852. From Racine to Green Bay, Milwaukee, Madison, all over the state of Wisconsin, they can get it done. Again, call them 262-443-2852. 262-443-2852. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show. It's all coming up next. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. How we looking? Glad to have you on board today. Thanks so much for taking a listen to the program. Coming up here at the bottom of the hour, 49ers NFL reporter from the San Jose Mercury and East Bay Times, uh, Cam Inman is going to be here. He's going to join us here, coming up here in about uh, seven, seven to ten minutes. So hang in there for that. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, 877-867-1670. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Nice Ash. The Nice Ash Cigar Bar, Hookah Bar, Entertainment, Sports, Good Beverages, Really Good Bourbons and Whiskeys. Yeah, downtown Waukesha, 323 West Main Street. Stop in and tell them we said hey. Nice ash. Love that place. As they say, get your ash in here. No doubt about it. Um, 877-867-1670. If you want to hit us up, feel free to go ahead and do so. Um, Matt, yes, we are at Club Paragon tonight, 6 to 8. 
We're going to be there. Six to eight, and we're going to be there tonight uh, with uh, for the uh, for the huddle. Compliments of our friends at Bud Light, and then on Saturday night, we are. And you can see all the information over on uh, the Facebook fan page. Uh, you can find it there. Uh, I'll put, I'll repost it out over on Twitter as well. But uh, we're going to be at Fox's coming up Saturday night, a watch party. Going to watch uh, some of the, uh, the the Cincinnati Bengals and the Tennessee Titans game. Then we're going to get into the Packers game. There's giveaways. There's drink specials. And it's a party. And uh, they got music. They're jamming. They're rocking in between commercial breaks and stuff. And then we go on the air with the Green and Gold Post Game Show right after the game, live from Fox's, South 76th Street in Greenfield. We're looking forward to that as well. So a lot of good stuff. Can't wait. Uh, Andy says, what kind of guitar did you end up getting, uh, the Gibson Hummingbird you had mentioned the other day? I ended up buying a, a Fender Acoustic. And it was right about in the mid range of what I wanted. It was uh, it was just under five hundred, and then I ended up getting just because I wanted something basic, you know, just to start with. Uh, I got a Silvertone uh, starter guitar and an amp, and everything came with it. It was like two hundred bucks. So totally, I spent uh, about six hundred dollars, seven hundred bucks on two guitars, amp, chords, picks, I strings, the whole thing. I did everything. I uh, did did the whole mess. So. And because I went with Fender, Fender gives you free guitar lessons, free starter guitar lessons for um, when you buy it, the guitar, a Fender guitar. You get uh, the first 30 days, I know they offer for free, but after that, uh, because of the actual purchase, you get another 60 days on top of that. So I went in that direction. There you go. Uh, maybe, during the, maybe during the commercial break, I'll, I'll put a shot of them up for you. Good stuff. Um Frank says, uh, Wayne Larry, just like the most modern-day Packers fans, he was a Bear supporter in the 80s, and now it's all about the Packers. Uh, he's been on uh, Packers like he's been on board his entire life. Frank, what you don't know is that he grew up a Packers fan. Don't forget, he was also in the Kansas City Chiefs organization. You forget about that. All you want to focus on is the Bears. He started out as the Chiefs broadcaster. The youngest, uh, the I think he was like 25 or something like that. And then he got better and better and better and uh, ended up becoming the Bears broadcaster and then ended up with his dream job, which was to go to the Green Bay Packers. He's an East Coast guy. He's not from Chicago. He's an East Coast guy. I think he's from uh, Connecticut or Mass- uh, Massachusetts. Um, but, yeah, he's an East Coast guy. So you can say that, but you're wrong. Your insinuation is wrong, as if somehow he's not a bear, a, a Packers guy. He grew up a Packers. It's like myself. Look, I grew up in Cincinnati, but my mom and dad were huge Bart Starr fans. I mean, we didn't get enough of Bart Starr in my household. Yeah, you know what? We still paid attention to Paul Brown and the Cincinnati Bengals and hated Cleveland and the Pittsburgh Steelers and all that kind of stuff in the division. Locally, yes. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, my mom was huge Bart Starr fan. My mom loved Al McGuire. She she loved the Jesuits. My mom was very parochial, very Catholic. She was Irish. My dad was German. Um, so very, very much an entrenched household like that. She loved Digger Phelps, loved Notre Dame, you know, whenever they were on. My dad was a huge Bobby Knight fan. My dad uh, grew up in Indiana and had some of the uh, state high school records, uh, high school football records in Indiana for some years, but grew up there and just loved Bobby Knight. So we got a full dose in that area of all those different, you know, entities uh, in our household. Oh, boy, you better believe it. 
better believe it. Bob Stack, back when he was the uh, head coach of Xavier University, she loved Bob Stack because of just the, the Jesuit college and being a good guy and all that kind of stuff. So, absolutely. But no, my parents grew up big time Bart Starr fans, man. My dad's thrill in his life was to be at Lambeau Field. I took his picture down by the goalpost on the field. I brought him on the field, and uh, and then we got a chance to go over and and he got to meet Bart Starr. And my dad just was out of his mind, just out of his mind. So, absolutely. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. When we come back, when we come back, uh, 49ers NFL reporter uh, from out in uh, San Fran, Cam Inman, is going to be joining us. We're going to talk some 49er football when we come back, getting the lowdown there. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Michael Show, you got the divisional round coming up this weekend at a frigid Lambeau Field. It's going to be warmer at Lambeau Field on Saturday night than it is right now. It's one degree in the Waukesha area with a 10 below wind chill. It's going to get up to about a high of 12 today. Uh, and it's going to be about that come game time on Saturday night when the Packers take on the 49ers. And to talk more about it, uh, joining us now on the line, uh, the 49ers. Uh, so let me ask you this. Uh, first of all, how much of a hindrance is the shoulder injury to Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, up until yesterday, about 24 hours ago, we weren't sure. And then when I saw him on the practice field yesterday, throwing, smiling, same zip as usual, no signs of pain, it's fine. So I uh, fully expect him to start Saturday night in Green Bay. Boy, I saw Bosa did some limited uh, practice uh, yesterday. Do we expect him to play and come out of concussion protocol? Well, we only saw that his name was listed as limited. I was out of practice. I didn't see him do anything other than stand there with a helmet in uh, in his hand for the 20 minutes we were out there. So assuming he did some kind of conditioning, I mean, it's an encouraging sign that he was out there. We won't officially know his status probably until tomorrow. It's probably when he's going to get cleared. If he gets cleared today on the official report, that would be a surprise. Um, but it looks like he's playing. So, I mean, the fact that he was out there, that he's not under wraps. Um, in the past, when the Niners have held guys out of games with a concussion, they're usually not even on the practice field for the week. So uh, it was an encouraging sign that he was out there. And then Fred Warner in that ankle injury, I saw he was a full participant yesterday. I, I, obviously it's sore, but he's going to go. Yeah, it didn't look sore. He was running around yesterday fine. I mean, he was bouncing a step, hopping on each leg. So um, he said it was a big scare on uh, Sunday in Dallas when he went down in the fourth quarter. Uh, MRI showed it was just a low ankle sprain rather than anything high, which was a few-week injury. So, yeah, he looks he looks fine. I mean, everybody in their linebacker core has some kind of an injury. Um, but they're, they're, it's, a, it's a unit that flies around really well. So um, they look ready to go. What is? Uh, let, let me just gauge the confidence level. What do you? What, what's the the feel out there right now? Coming into Lambeau Field, obviously the temperatures are going to be really, really low. Uh, the Packers yeah. finally got a win over the 49ers earlier this year, but by the skin of their teeth. But give give me the thoughts on confidence level right now. I mean, anybody at this stage is really confident. So it's a matter of okay, are they? I, to me, it's almost a matter of are they too gassed? 
Um, it's a team that's the last two elimination games has come down to the wire uh, in L.A. in overtime just to qualify for the playoffs. And then in Dallas when they hung on for dear life as Dak Prescott ran down the field and killed the final second. So, um, uh, you know, everybody has thrown everything out there this last month or so. They've been winning games. Um, you know, they, they lost in Tennessee and they lost in Seattle games they could have won. Um, but the way they've won, but the way they've played, it's, it's pretty darn good in that um, it's not all reliant on one guy. It really, you know, it, it's football, right? It takes everybody to contribute in all three phases. And that usually happens for one half of a game. And so then they either have to hold on or else they're rallying. I mean, um, against the Rams, they were down 17 nothing and rallied. Um, against the Cowboys, they got off to an early lead and then just had to hold on for their life. And going into Lambeau, I, I don't sense that these guys are intimidated whatsoever. Um, the fact that the Niners won there, what, eight years ago in a wild card game when the temperature was five degrees at kickoff and, and dropped below that, I mean, it, it shows them it can be done. So it's not like they're going in there thinking that they have no shot. Um, they're going up against a team that they know extremely well a quarterback that they probably know better than any opposing quarterback in their history. Um, they've beaten him three times in the playoffs. So they have every reason to be confident, it, um, but they're not overconfident because they obviously know that the Packers are a number one seed. Aaron Rodgers is an MVP candidate. Devontae Adams roasted them every time they play them. Um, and that the Niners, if they're off, they can be off and be a terrible team. What is, if you're going to say there's a couple of things that have to happen for the 49ers to get a win, what do you think it would be? If they can run for 285 yards like they did last time they met in the playoffs. <laughs> you're right. Um, if they can force two Aaron Rodgers turnovers like they did early on in that, in that first half last time. Um, if they can avoid special teams blunders, which I guess the Packers are pretty good at also, so maybe that's a wash. Um, and if Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't throw two interceptions he will throw one um and he just has to make sure it's not a pick six or at the inappropriate time where the packers are on a run the uh the debo samuel aspect of this uh they call him the uh wide back or back wide or whatever you want to call it or back receiver uh the, the fact that he's so incredibly versatile how many touches does he get in this contest do you think I would put the over-under at 15. How's that? Because okay. um, yeah, he called himself, he, he described himself as a wide back, a wide receiver that plays running back. And it's very fitting. And he didn't really take on that dual threat role until about midseason. It's not like he's a full-time running back at all. It's, it's the occasional cameo to spell Elijah Mitchell, who's their rookie running back, who they've run into the ground as rookie year. Guys played through like six major injuries, but he plays really well. He sees the field really well. He works well in the system. And then Debo comes in and he will take the ball in the backfield and most likely will go, go to the boundary, go to the perimeter. When you have Trent Williams at left tackle and it's a very athletic line and George Kittle blocks like heck, uh, then you got, you got lanes to go. And so you can usually get around the perimeter or the Cowboys, they over the perimeter and Debo cut back for a 26 yard touchdown for their eventual winning touchdown uh, against the Cowboys. So, um, I mean, he once he gets the ball, he is I – man, it's the NFL. Everybody's very physical, right? Um, he just really has this fearlessness where it's kind of he laughs. And he's like – he wants to hit people and run through people. And you need to have that if you're going to be a star caliber player in this league. And 
He's a all pro and he's a pro bowler for the first time in his career. He stayed healthy. Um, and, you know, the Niners have figured out a way to, to maximize their talents. Talking with 49ers and NFL reporter out of the San Jose Mercury and East Bay Times, 95-7, the game out there, Cam Inman. Uh, you can also find him at Cam Inman over on Twitter. Um, now, the, you mentioned Kittle, and, and Kittle is an underrated blocker. People talk more about his reception skills and his, and his what he does after the catch, but he's an underrated blocker. He does extremely well, but how come they only got the ball to him to three times in that Dallas game? Well, multiple reasons. One, I mean, Trent Williams – you know, as great as he is, and, you know, the right tackle is not great. It's it's very helpful when they have Kittle in as a blocker because he is almost like an extra tackle. He's, he's, he loves blocking. He's very good at it. He also loves to catch the ball and running through guys. Um, sometimes Jimmy Garoppolo forces the ball to him, and it results in touch or interceptions more so than touchdowns. Um, you know, he's also hasn't been extremely healthy. So he, he, he's been battling a calf injury or Achilles since week one. So, I mean, maybe they're, you know, limiting him rather than letting him go wild all over the field. Um, and, and, and defenses obviously are scheming against him. You know, they're, they're matching him up more in man than letting him go find the zone and run choice routes um, that he's done so well in his career. But, I mean, he's always capable of busting out big. And he did that in Seattle um, about a month and a half ago and had a big game. And then he kind of went dormant because they needed him more as a blocker. And just because the run game has become so on point, and if, if, if I was the Packers, that's what I'd be most fearful of rather than uh, Kittle catching the ball and running through them is him blocking in, in a dominant rushing effort just like two years ago in the NFC Championship game. If your house is on the line, what are you doing with your money come Saturday night? I, you're not going to believe this. and I'm going to give you a little sneak preview, but well, I'm, I'm picking upsets across the board. I think every road team is going to win, and it's it's not me. Homer. I think there's multiple reasons why I have the Niners winning, and then I've got every other game going as a road team win too. Interesting. Uh, you know what? I, I there's a level. I I agree with you. There's a level of confidence in many of the road teams. Obviously, what Buffalo yeah. can do to Kansas City. Well, Joe Burrow is a much better quarterback than Tannehill. Obviously, uh, what the Rams have pound for pound over Brady. I agree with that. I, I with the I, Packers I getting. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I think it's just look at the NFL landscape. There's there's not such a dominant team where you say, oh, well, yeah, they're, they're the home team also. They're going to win easily. It's every one of these home teams has questions that have shown vulnerability. So I think um, and all these road teams, they're kind of got a little momentum on their side. They haven't been resting and they're ready to go. I don't know if there's something to be said for the rest and getting players back or for just continuing to forge on. But like you said, how much gas do they have in the tank? Or yeah. how do they learn to either fend off teams and the furious comeback or give the other teams the comeback and ultimately get the win? It's going to be an exciting game at Lambeau Field. Thanks for joining us for a few, Cam. I appreciate it, pal. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you soon. There you go. That's Cam Inman. You can find his stuff at Cam Inman over on uh, over on Twitter, uh, and he's a good follow and very down to earth. Now he he said, "I'm not trying to be a homer, but here it is. It is what it is." You know, he's uh, taking all of the road teams. I like we talked about. We talked about confidence levels early on in this uh, in this show. Um, I can't pick Cincinnati until they continually win in the postseason successfully. I don't know. I mean, the Raiders were not a great team. And they barely escaped at home, the Raiders. I'm going to find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to knock off the Tennessee Titans. 
uh, albeit I really like Joe Burrow. I just don't think that they have the coaching staff the smarts enough to do it. Uh, the Rams, I think pound for pound, could go up against the Buccaneers as long as Tom Brady doesn't get in their head. And the same thing with the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen and what they're capable of. Uh, I just I think it is a very large ask for the 49ers to come into Lambeau Field and get the win, uh, just the way the Packers have been playing as of late. Now, I will say this. He's right on a couple of fronts. Some things you didn't want to hear, but he was dead on, man. He was dead on. I don't know if you caught it, but he was right, and we'll talk about it when we come back. Stay tuned. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Now, in Green Bay, here's Mike Clemens. The Packers practice again outdoors in frigid temperatures, getting ready for their divisional playoff against the 49ers Saturday night. Green Bay making a roster move, releasing defensive lineman Kingsley Kiki. He was a fifth-round pick back in 2019 and had the third-most snaps behind Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry in the trenches. Matt LaFleur was asked why Kiki was a healthy scratch against the Browns. Why was Kingsley Kiki inactive? Yeah, that was a total personal thing that we were going through. Packers defensive coordinator Joe Barry. You know, obviously a decision was made. He's, he's not here anymore, but uh, I'm, I'm going to leave it at that. Outside linebacker Preston Smith usually is assigned to sack the quarterback. Could that be different this week? For sure. We know these guys are going to come in and try to run the ball and be successful in the run game and try to move the ball that way and create short down and distance for them. But we know we just got to stay sound. You know, that's the focal point this week to make sure that we go out there and we stop the run and we don't allow them to get going. We know Debo's going to do his thing. The other running back is going to do his thing. And that's that's what they do to get the ball rolling for them, to get the ball moving, to get them in, in, in rhythm. And former Packers receiver James Jones was on the Bill Michaels show. If you're going to be a defender against them, if you're Joe Barry, what do you do? Well, number one, to be honest with you, I don't think it's any scheme stuff that you're doing with the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's all effort, man. I think it's all effort. The Niners come in there, and when you really watch the Niners football game, they play harder than everybody, and it's not even close. That's James Jones in Green Bay. I'm Mike Clemens on the Bill Michaels Show. a terrific place uh, that opened up and go out and support them. They're just great people. It's called the Wrestling Taco. Good place to eat. Good Mexican restaurant right in West Dallas, Wisconsin on 84th Street, just south of uh, of State Fair Park, a couple of blocks south. Uh, Marcus and Nicole and everybody over there, they're really, really good people. And uh, just a lot of fun and good food. Um, stopped over there a couple of times. I've eaten over there. And uh, great people, great uh, and they've never run a restaurant before. They just wanted a good place to go, good Mexican food, so they opened up their own restaurant. Good people, great staff, a lot of fun. And you go in and you say, can you make this? Can you make that? I don't know. And they just they just work it out. It's just it's a lot of fun. It's a really cool place. Go to the Wrestling Taco right there on 84th Street, just south of State Fair Park. Hey, uh, a couple of things. Coming up after the top of the hour, Wayne Larry, the voice of the Green Bay Packers. You're going to hear that conversation. Coming up here shortly, which is uh, nothing short of, uh, of awesomeness. Um, also, a couple of emails to get to. And uh, one of them, uh, this is our buddy Steve in Richfield. He said, good day. We are indeed season ticket holders that were chosen for tickets for Saturday. Uh, yes, we are selling them. But we are per- we, uh, they were purchased by our daughter and son-in-law 
who are diehard Packers fans. If we ever sell our tickets, they get sold to somebody that we know that are indeed fans. I think the last gold games that we went to, uh, the fans were off the chart loud, especially the Steeler game. For all going on, or for all going to the game this weekend, be loud, be proud. That's our buddy Steve in Ridgefield. Steve, thanks so much for the email, as always. Our buddy Kevin listening to us up in Mosinee, just south of Wausau, on the fine Wausau affiliate up there. Which, uh, which, what is our Wausau affiliate off the top of my head? I think that's ESPN 98.9 or 12.30 a.m. I can't remember. But uh, great affiliate up there. Good, good people. And love covering the, uh, the Wausau area, all the way up in the Tomahawk. Says, uh, good afternoon. I agree the wave is annoying. But for me, the worst uh, is the crowd singing Sweet Caroline <laughs> just once. I'd like to go to a sporting event and not have to hear that. Uh, to steal your line, I want to slam an appendage in a car door every time that song comes on. Have a good day. That's our buddy Kevin. Here's the thing, Kevin. I agree with you. Outside of Boston, it is, it's like when you throw a home run back. Cubs fans started that. That's a Cubs thing. Don't do it here. That's a Cubs thing. Sweet Caroline, that's a Red Sox thing. Right? That's what that is. Jump around, that's our thing. You know? I disagree with the home run thing. No, the Cubs started that out at Wrigley years and years and years and years ago. I know. I I feel like it's become commonplace. I feel like that's part of the game, not singing a song. It it is. Throwing a home run back, I've always said if you are in a ballpark and you catch a home run and you don't want it, you want to throw it back because it's the opponent, I'd give it to a little kid. I'd find a little kid in my section and give it to him. I wouldn't be... uh, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be throwing it back. Just just that's just me. But, you know, fans still do it. Like I get it, you know. There's some things that annoy the hell out of us. Wait, now in Philly, growing up, did you were they throwing home run home run balls back? Every one. I haven't caught really? any, so I haven't done it, but I've seen many a home run thrown back. Okay. That was always a Cubs thing that started on WGN. Showing Cubs games, and it kind of became a thing everywhere. That's how it got big. That's how everybody started doing it because uh, one of the original cable stations was WGN out of Chicago. So everybody saw the Cubs fans do it. That's a Cubs thing. Always has been. It's uh, that's why it's always pissed me off that Brewers fans do it, and yet you despise the Cubs and the fans so much, but you do exactly what they do. It drives me nuts. Huh. So the one time I actually I didn't catch the home run ball uh, during the game. It was uh, for batting practice. And it was some Cubs that were there. It's funny because not a lot of people throw them back when you can grab a free ball in batting practice when the Cubs are hitting them out. So everybody grabs them. They're, they're running around for them. But there was a couple people throwing them back. So I found, we got two of them. We were had uh, tickets inside the, the landing zone outside the right field fence. And uh, so we got two home run balls and turned around and gave them to kids in the bleachers behind us. They loved it. You know, oh, my God, I got a home run ball. I mean, think about it as a kid, how cool that would be, you know. Um. ESPN Steve says, hey, the other thing is roll out the barrel. That's a Wisconsin thing. You are correct. I've I've never heard that played anywhere else but in Wisconsin. I've heard so different I, songs to that tune with different lyrics, but not the exact okay. thing. Right. But the but the jump around is it was always a Wisconsin thing. That's been the tradition. And uh, the roll out the barrel. I have not heard the roll out the barrel anywhere else. Sweet Caroline, though, that's everywhere. But that was a Boston Red Sox thing. Now, the reason I, I listen to it and I get it and I enjoy it, I have to. Kristen is from from that area. So anytime Sweet Caroline, she was singing it 
she was hammered, okay? But at the Christmas party, uh, they played it at the Christmas party. Uh, the, the Rick Pomeroy, who we had in here for the live entertainment at the Christmas party, yeah, she got up there and sang a version of Sweet Caroline. I even think it's on video somewhere, but it was, that was a wicked version. Don't tell her I said that. Stay tuned. The voice of the Green Bay Packers, Wayne Larvey, coming up next. Got a lot more of the Bill Michaels Show. This portion brought to you by our friends at Burn Pit Barbecue. Go to burnpitbbq.com out of Racine, Wisconsin, and veteran-owned. Burnpitbbq.com. We got more after this. The Bill Michaels Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe.